0: Who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America. Happy Saturday. Oh, what a show we got for you. Two of the most important voices when it comes to accountability. Devin Nunes, previously as the House Intelligence Committee Chairman, now the head of the Truth Social Network, a social media network, and Senator Ron Johnson, the man who exposed the Hunter Biden scandal back in 2020 and today is still playing a great role. So Senator Ron Johnson is going to kick us off. Then we'll go to former Congressman Devin Nunes, and we'll finish up with the man who used to vet judicial nominations all the way up to the Supreme Court for the United States Senate, Mike Davis, now the founder of a really great group that really focuses on constitutional integrity. What a great show. Ron Johnson, Devin Nunes, Mike Davis, back to back to back right here on John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out or family member for free. What a great opportunity, folks! Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is thirty-four plus trillion dollars in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So. You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation, the way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898
1: right now. Welcome back, everybody. We are so lucky to be joined by our next guest. He is a public servant. Serving in the U.S. Senate, he is no stranger to fighting big government bureaucracy in order to provide transparency to the American people. And unfortunately, the Biden administration is making him busier by the day, especially now as the U.S. Secret Service adds themselves to the growing list of federal agencies who are insulating themselves from public scrutiny. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin joins us now. Senator, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here, sir.
2: Hello, Amanda. Hello, John.
1: Great to see you, sir. It's been over a week now since that cocaine was found at the White House. No DNA, no suspect, no camera footage, no fingerprints. Is this the most sophisticated druggie ever, or are the American people being pawned again in yet another case?
2: Well, it's a really impressive performance by the premier investigatory agency in the world, isn't it? Um, Yeah, what's so tragic, what's such a sad fact is that I can't, and I think most Americans simply can't trust the FBI or the Department of Justice anymore. They, they've given us so many reasons not to trust them, to question their integrity. And that's where we're at right now. So I, I mean, do, do I believe that they weren't able to uh, uh, fully investigate this and probably identify uh, the, the person who uh, brought that cocaine in the White House? Not not for a minute. I I think they just did not do a a proper investigation or if they found out, found found out who did realize we can't make this public.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's the big question we're going to keep digging on. Sir, uh, you did more than anyone in the 2020 timeframe to get the original story out about Hunter Biden and about the financial dealings that put national security and American security at risk. We're now starting to get a sense of just how much the prosecutors knew in real time. In early 2022, there's a document clearly shows they signed off on charging Hunter Biden with uh, felony tax evasion, including not paying money, uh, taxes on uh, all that money he got from Burisma Holdings. And then the case just disappears. It never gets delivered. I want to get your reaction to what we now know, how much the prosecutors know, knew, and then how little they ultimately
2: end up doing in the case. Well, first, I want to make one point that rarely gets made. You always hear that David Weiss was a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney. I mean, that's true, but you have to understand how these U.S. attorneys are, first of all, selected for potential appointment. You have two senators from a state. They either cooperate together or they have some kind of commission like we do in Wisconsin, and they recommend— the U.S. attorneys for White House consideration. So these are really picks of uh, Tom Carper and Chris Coons, the, the Delaware uh, U.S. senators. And guess which state President Biden is from? Delaware. <laughs> so do I think David Weiss is a Trump loyalist or a rock rib Republican? Not for a second. So that's the first thing to understand. This this is not you know, this wouldn't be the same as a Trump appointee coming from, let's say, Oklahoma or or Texas or some, you know, some some red state. Um, But we are seeing example after example after example of whether inside the FBI or the Department of Justice at some of the highest levels where this investigation was thwarted. Uh, It was frustrated. It's obvious this was not a thorough investigation. It's obvious this was not an honest prosecution. Uh, They allowed the statute of limitations to lapse on you know the more serious charges. You know, my my belief is there are other areas. For example, the uh, tribal bond fraud that uh, all of Hunter's. uh, uh, Business partners or certainly Devin Archer was involved in where you see I have an email that says it'd probably be good to put a little honey in Hunter's pocket. I think that email was issued in 2013. I don't think Hunter's involvement in that Indian uh, or tribal bond fraud was probably investigated thoroughly. So, again, there's so many reasons not to trust the the, uh, FBI and the Department of Justice in this. Yeah.
1: Sir, I want to switch gears. When when I was at Auburn, I was a business major and we were required to take one semester of golf. And I never understood why. Well, I didn't understand why at the time. I now understand why. But there might be a lot of Americans who are wondering why the U.S. Senate is holding hearings on the merger between Live Golf and PGA. Can you explain to our audience why that's important?
2: Well, first of all, we shouldn't have. Uh, I'm a ranking member on the subcommittee that uh, our chairman chose to to make an inquiry or an investigation into this. I don't think we should be doing that either. There, there is nothing wrong with the PGA Tour trying to negotiate its survival. But uh, the fact that we did hold a hearing, uh, I've got a responsibility to make that hearing as constructive as possible. And I think in the end, I think the hearing was helpful because it gave the PGA Tour the opportunity to describe the enormous cha- challenge they face just in managing professional golf at the highest levels. And then they also got to describe the existential threat that the Saudi Public Investment Fund and the Live Golf Tour represented to professional golf. They didn't have a choice. They didn't choose to go seek investment from, from the Saudis. This was a survival uh, action on their part. So I think they were able to describe that, and hopefully the public was paying attention and now understands that fact.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. now those are some important learnings yesterday. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Senator, you had uh, you were responsible for bringing forward some of these whistleblowers that are now in the system, now giving Congress testimony, now helping us understand what happened and didn't happen uh, in the FBI and particularly with Hunter Biden and maybe with other things as well. Uh, The Democrats have just relentlessly uh, attacked them, oftentimes making up accusations that aren't substantiated by the facts. A couple years ago, it seemed like Democrats were in love with whistleblowers. Now they don't seem to give them any respect. How problematic is the treatment that these whistleblowers are getting from some members of Congress?
2: Well, they're obviously being retaliated against so more whistleblowers don't come forward so let me encourage more whistleblowers to come forward if you if you don't trust congress and i actually understand that you know because of what is happening to these whistleblowers go to people like john solomon go to amanda go go to other investigatory journalists uh, that they will do a really good job of protecting your identity but if you bring them documents uh, if you bring them information where they can track down documents, that's very good. You know, one thing I've learned as an investigator here in Congress, we need an inquisitive press. Uh, whistleblowers are much more likely to go to people like John Solomon and others that are doing good work. Uh, and that's what we need. We we need people that have the information to come forward, to bring us the documents, to reveal the, the truth, you know, puzzle piece by puzzle piece. You know, when, when people commit wrongdoing. They try and hide it. It's it's, it's very these investigations are very difficult. They are arduous. But we need people with integrity inside these agencies to come forward, to restore integrity and credibility to these agencies.
1: Yeah, sir. There's someone out there, a, a name that has been floated, someone who claims that he can add some pieces to that puzzle. Uh, Dr. Gal Luff, Um, he had coordination with CEFC. So obviously he claims to have information regarding that specific relationship between the Bidens and CEFC. And mainstream media is attacking him, throwing all kinds of aspersions uh, in his direction. But, you know, the old quote, crimes committed in hell don't have angels as witnesses. And isn't it typically that when you have to take down a big guy, for lack of better terms, it's usually people like this who ultimately give up the best dirt?
2: Well, first of all, I really don't know anything about Dr. Luft other than what I'm reading about him, but the case is bizarre. It's very interesting. I mean, here's a man who had a think tank involved in energy, working with people like XCI director um, James Woolsey, Robert McFarland. These are respected individuals. You know, uh, CEFC, the same company, paid Hunter Biden millions of dollars. And, of course, Hunter never registered as a foreign agent for this uh, business. You know, when... Dr. Luft found out that Joe Biden might be running for president. He understood the level of compromise the Bidens might uh, be in as a result of that. So he contacted the Department of Justice. They sent six individuals, two prosecutors from the Southern District of New York, four FBI agents to Brussels to interview him for two days. They never followed up with Dr. Luft until they arrested him in Cyprus, just as all these, you know, all the story was breaking here. Uh, he's a dual citizen. He's been residing in Israel. If they got a good case co- against Dr. Luff, why not, you know, take the case to is- Israel authorities, Israeli authorities, and arrest him there and extradite him? But they wait till he's in Cyprus. I mean, that's just odd, right there. And it's interesting. One yeah. of those prosecutors, same prosecutor that prosecuted Patrick Ho, yep. who paid Hunter Biden right. a million bucks, they kept by name of that trial. And the FBI yeah. agent, the guy who signed the subpoena for Hunter Biden's laptop.
0: Folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Devin Nunes up next. You know him. He's got a lot to say about what happened this week, including the investigation the House Judiciary Committee has opened into why his investigators on the House Intel Committee were being spied on back in 2017 during the Russia collusion case. <laughs> IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day. And I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. Welcome back, America. Next, we have one of our favorite guests, someone whose finger is always on the pulse of where accountability in this country is going and also where the dialogues on social media is also going. He's the former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, currently the CEO of the company that runs a very successful True Social platform. Joining us right now, our good friend, Devin Nunes. Congressman, good to have you back on the show.
3: John, it's great to be with you, and I'm just going to fill in for Amanda. I'll just do the whole <laughs> show with you. How's Let's that? take I it over. <laughs> news anchoring business. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm all in. All
0: right. Well, uh, I want to start with a little of the breaking news we did at the top of the show. Obviously, a big win today for Kevin McCarthy again. All the newspaper headlines suggesting his caucus was going to crash and burn on the NDA, and then all of a sudden, he pulls out a deal, 219 to 210. The Republicans fall right back in line, and they get a very important NDAA bill, the National Defense Authorization Act, passed, and also get it done early so that there's time to negotiate with the Senate We don't have a problem like we had last year where the Democrats don't get it done until like around uh, Thanksgiving time after the fiscal year started. Kevin McCarthy keeps uh, defying the expectations. What's the secret to his stewardship thus far?
3: Well, look, this is a huge win for the Republicans in the House because it's very unusual, as you know. And in fact, in my time uh, in Washington and some, I don't know, 20 uh, defense bills that I worked on, I can only I think I only remember one time that we that we I could be wrong, but I think there was only one time that it was just a Republican only bill. Yeah, because typically it's it's a very bipartisan process. And look, and that's where we'd love to be in this country. But sadly, we're not there because the left is trying to make the will it, the military uh, woke. Um, right. There's lots of, of, of outrageous things that are happening. So I think the Republicans really stood up. They pass what probably traditionally would be just a normal defense bill where the Democrats are going to oppose it because they are just married to this crazy woke, woke agenda. So for Kevin McCarthy to deliver on this, I think it's a major victory for him and the Republicans and, and everybody that's involved. It's, it's very unusual, like I said, uh, you know, being you know, my time in Congress. So the fact that that they were able to pull this off when the fake news and everybody else was saying that they couldn't pull it off, I think is, you know, a Friday in the middle of the July, uh, they, they leave for the day. And I think Kevin McCarthy and, and the rest of uh, the Republicans have a lot to be proud of uh, because this is what the base of the Republican Party uh, and I think normal Americans expect there to be a clean defense bill that doesn't get into woke ideology.
0: Uh, no doubt. There's no doubt. You see it in the polling. I mean, this isn't just a Republican issue. A lot of these issues are 70, 80 percent issues in the American public. The Democrats are on the short stick of that polling and on these issues. Um, I want to turn to something else that I know deeply concerns Americans. You were the man who led the initial spotlight into what our FBI was doing, how it had changed into a politically motivated organization with Russia collusion uh, late yesterday. In fact, on this show, we broke it. We had your former chief investigative counsel, Kash Patel on to react to it and instantly. Uh, Jim Jordan, the House Committee, uh, Judiciary Committee chairman, announces an investigation into the revelations. We brought everybody back in the spring that the FBI was spying on your investigators, at least two, maybe more, uh, right at the height of the Russia collusion probe, right when you were about to drop a report that was going to uh, identify some of the FBI abuses that occurred in Russia collusion. I want to get your reaction to the decision and then what roadmap you think the House Judiciary Committee should follow to get to the bottom of this. It seems like two may not be all that were being monitored.
3: Yeah, just to take people back to what this really means, um, you know, Typically, if there was to be an investigation into a member of the House or staff, uh, there is a process because we're a separate branch of government. So at the very time where we told the FBI and the Department of Justice that they were under investigation by the House Intelligence Committee, at that same time, they secretly go out to what we believe was a grand jury and got multiple subpoenas against multiple staff members of, of mine um, that we believe. So, so what does that mean in reality? What it means is they were spying on our staff who were investigating them. That's what it means. So, that, so we don't think that they actually had the, the, the gumption uh, to go out and get a subpoena and go to a grand jury and get a subpoena on me and the other Republicans on the committee that were investigating them. So they use this really sneaky, nasty way that shouldn't shock anyone, which is to go to a grand jury and target my lawyers. Um, this is this is outrageous. Um, Jim Jordan and the rest of the Republicans are are right. This is really right in the in the in the lane of of weaponization of government, and this is weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI against Republicans in the House who were just we were just doing our due diligence and our job, which is providing oversight over a runaway FBI and DOJ. So think about what they were doing. This is the end of 2017. Yeah. This is before everyone except us. We knew it, the Russia hoax was a hoax. We're calling it a hoax. They're all in on it. Uh, it ends up going to the inspector general. It ends up with a special counsel. No one pays a price yep. uh, and not even for this. And we don't find this out. The only reason we find this out, John, of all people, of all entities, it was because of Google yeah. and their bylaws and their rules They alert people five years after the fact um, if if they had a subpoena against them. That's how we found this out, if you can believe that or not.
0: We have to wait five years to find out there was this level of snooping on. Yeah, there there is a uh, we were told after the William Jefferson bribery case, uh, the Louisiana congressman a decade or 15 years ago, that the FBI would put new rules in that they would you know, they could investigate things, but there'd have to be a greater protection after those rules went into place. We know the CIA did some snooping on Dianne Feinstein at the Senate Intelligence Committee. Now this it doesn't seem like the FBI has a, a, you know, a sensitivity to the Senate separation of powers. This is a much larger issue than just the retaliation that Jim Jordan talked about in the letter. Uh, There is two branches that are supposed to treat each other with uh, separateness and uh, respect. And it doesn't seem
3: like it's been crossed two or three times now in the last few years. Yeah, well, this this was a sneaky way to get around their own rules, which is this has become the norm. And, you know, sadly, this was done under Rod Rosenstein, who was the acting attorney general at the time. Who you know all of these characters that were involved in that time, they all knew this was a hoax. They were under investigation by us because they perpetuated the hoax. They got FISA warrants against innocent Americans. Right. Uh, uh, FISA uh, warrants. They went to the FISA court, lied to the FISA court, um, and they knew why they were under investigation. And they knew the whole investigation and a Trump in 2017 was preposterous. It was nonsense. And so you're you're exactly right. This this has a much larger uh, implications for our country. And that's why I think it's so important that Jim Jordan really get to the bottom of it. He asked me to lay out what they're going to need to do. My guess is that Ray will do the normal, which is to say, oh, golly shucks, I uh, don't know anything about this. Um, we're, we're we're just trying to get better around here, which is what yeah. he's been saying, you know, as they continue to get worse. Um, so I think that that uh, Chairman Jordan is going to have to issue subpoenas. Um, all of this information should exist because what what do we really need to know? What was the purpose of the subpoena against congressional staffers? It's really that simple. Yep. What did you go to in the grand jury like? Look, look. If, if, if Kash Patel, who's at least one of the staffers that 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 you well know, that you know well, and that he was on your show last night, I mean, if he was a, a, a Russian agent of some kind, and they suspected that he was a Russian agent. Wow, that that would be really revealing, um, you know, wish we would have known it at the time. Why didn't you come to us? Why would you just start investigating congressional staff, not come to the, at least the speaker of the House or the gang of eight someone and say, hey, we think, you know, the House Intelligence Committee, Republican staff have been compromised. So we went to the grand jury to do X, Y and Z. The reason they didn't do it, John, is because whatever they told the grand jury, they lied. They lied. And this is a cover up. And Rosenstein and Ray need to come forth to the American public and say, what did you tell the grand jury to target the legislative branch of government that had you under investigation? Yeah, that's a big part.
0: Sir, we only got about 20 seconds left. Uh, Rod Rosenstein has to testify really to get to the bottom of this, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, look, I think the documents are the key. First, it's get all the documents, then bring them in for depositions. And then decide whether or not you want to want to bring them out in public or not. That's the way that I would do it. That's, the, I think, the proper way to run investigation.
0: Folks, we've got one last good one left. Mike Davis will join us from the Article 3 Project right after these messages.
3: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Welcome back, everybody. Democrats never miss an an opportunity to criticize or scrutinize Justice Clarence Thomas. And most recently, the case is for his friendship with billionaire GOP megadonor Harlan Crowe. But now his Supreme Court colleague, Sonia Sotomayor, is under ethics fire as her staff urged public institutions who hosted the justice to purchase her memoir or children's book. So the perfect person to talk about this is Mike Davis. He's the founder and president of the Article 3 Project, and he joins us now. Mike, great to see you.
4: Thank you for having me.
1: So there's a pretty, pretty hefty price tag attached to the revenue. Three point seven million dollars on her her series of children's books and her memoirs since 2009, since she became a justice. Um, now, her staffers who are on government payroll, meaning we pay their salary. So taxpayers fund their jobs. Uh, they apparently were pushing these books, push, pushing the purchase of these books at events and libraries and, and, and those types of, of opportunities. I know there's not a formal code for the Supreme Court, so it's technically not illegal or yeah, illegal like it would be in another government job. But just because you can do it, I don't think that means that you should. Is there an ethical issue here?
4: Well, it's amazing how the Democrats want to attack Justice Clarence Thomas for his vacations that he's taken with Harlan Crow, his best friend of 25 years. They want to (laughs) attack my former boss. Justice Neil Gorsuch for teaching at George Mason University Law School, a public university uh, in in Metro DC. But there's awful lot of crickets, a lot of uh, deafening silence from the left now, with Justice Sotomayor's uh, peddling of her book to librarians and school administrators. Look, I, I like Justice Sotomayor. She's a very nice lady. Uh, I think this is just a lapse in judgment here, and I don't know if it's her or her staff but you shouldn't be strong arming librarians and school administrators to buy a minimum number of your books in order for a justice to come speak
0: yeah and that's really the outside and it really shows that the democrats knew there was a much larger system going on here and they tried to isolate justice thomas and gorsuch to try to make it look like it was a republican problem and we're now getting a much more complete Picture, And I think that that's important. Um, Mike, you used to uh, vet judges for all of the nominations in the Senate. A very important job right now. It seems like there is a lot of questions about just how the judiciary functions. Uh, Is it time for Congress to do a series of hearings just to get people to understand what the do's and don'ts are so that some of this gotcha goes away?
4: No, I actually think that the opposite approach, uh, that the Democrats, the reason they're doing this now is Democrats lost the control of the Supreme Court. We have the first constitutionalist majority on the Supreme Court and the lower federal courts for the first time in 90 years, thanks to President Donald Trump. And that was his biggest and most consequential accomplishment of his first term. So what Democrats are trying to do, they know that the Supreme Court is the last line of defense protecting everyday Americans and our God-given rights to speak, to associate, to worship, to keep and bear arms uh, from uh, from politicians. And so the Democrats are trying to destroy this last line of defense. And their first step to do this is delegitimizing the Supreme Court. There is no ethics issue at the Supreme Court. They have uh, systems in place where they're perp- perfectly capa- capable of taking care of their own ethics. If Senate Democrats actually cared about ethics, they would cl- uh, clean up the crack and corruption den called the Biden White House.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mike, I want to get an update from you because you oftentimes have a a really focused periscope on these types of issues and and move in these circles. Is there any update on the Supreme Court leak or do you think there ever will be? Will we ever know who, who leaked that potential decision?
4: Look, it should not be that hard to figure this out. There are nine Supreme Court justices, and each one of the nine Supreme Court justices has four law clerks, so thirty-six law clerks. It almost certainly came from a law clerk to one of the three Democrat-appointed justices. So you're down. You're you're down to twelve potential uh, uh, law clerks. Uh, it's it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. They had the access to the draft Dobbs opinion. More importantly, they. Have access to the internal deliberations. And they had the motivation to leak this, which is to leak it and get uh, uh, these protests outside of conservative Supreme Court justices' homes like Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Barrett and maybe hoping that one of them would cave to the political pressure. Uh, It didn't work, but it shouldn't be that hard to figure that out.
0: If they wanted to figure that out, they could. Yeah. Mike, uh, at that time, Justice Ketanji Brown was a... um uh, a justice in waiting, maybe shadowing and learning how to become a justice in a few short weeks after that. Uh, and then since then, she has really had a very assertive role in what a lot of people think is the expression of politics within her opinions and her dissents. Um, what are we learning about our newest justice? And it seems as though justice, uh, the chief justice has a little bit of concern about some of the conduct in these dissenting opinions right now.
4: Well, I remember when Justice Gorsuch went on to the Supreme Court and I helped him get set up. Uh, when he asked apparently too many questions at oral argument, the left wing media attacked him and said essentially that he was a loudmouth who was uh, not paying his dues and being disrespectful to the court. When uh, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson does it, the liberal media says that she's a trailblazer and that she's brilliant. It's just, uh, it, you know, I will say this about Justice Jackson it is totally counterproductive. What she's doing. There are three Democrat-appointed justices. If they ever want to eke out victories from time to time, that requires that requires persuasion and building bridges to say the Chief Justice or Justice Kavanaugh maybe picking them off from time to time and eking out a five to four uh, majority uh, here and there. Uh, her approach is totally counterproductive, and it's going to make it a lot harder for her to eke out any victory. So. Uh, you know, of all the of all the potential black women who just or who President Biden could have put on the Supreme Court, I'm actually glad that President Biden put Justice Jackson on the Supreme Court because she's the most counterproductive one of the three.
1: Mike, the Supreme Court is supposed to be sacrosanct, but there are also locations in our country that are supposed to be sacrosanct. Uh, the White House, I think, is supposed to be one of them. But cocaine found. And as we now know, uh, they're going to shut down that investigation tomorrow. No fingerprints, no DNA. We don't have any cameras. We don't really have any solid uh, perp to rely on no names or anything. Is this is this just another disappointing failure for the American people?
4: Well, let's see. Uh, we have a 53-year-old son of the president who's living in the White House a lot of the time. And unless he's changing the president's diapers, I have... I can't understand why a 53-year-old son would be living in the White House. We have a video of him on the Fourth of July on the Truman balcony, and there's a lot of suspicion that he, uh, that Jill uh, and Joe saw him using cocaine on the Truman balcony on July 4th. So it's probably not that hard to figure out who left the cocaine in the West Wing. But it sounds like they have no interest in,
0: uh, no interest in finding who did it. That wraps up our Saturday edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. So grateful you joined us. Hey, check out the breaking news all weekend long on justthenews.com and on your Just the News Android and Apple apps. We're going to have a great Sunday brunch edition Four members of Congress. Mike Lawler, Brian Stile, Glenn Grothman and Austin Scott, all major players on the policies affecting America in the House. Fresh off that NDAA passage victory and so many of the accountability investigations going on. That's going to kick us off tomorrow, along with Michael Seifert and Victoria Coates. Victoria Coates, one of the great national security thinkers in all of America. That's for show sure tomorrow. Be sure to tune in. Until then, God bless you on this Saturday evening in the middle of summer 2023. I really appreciate you listening to John Solomon Reports and checking out all of our breaking news at justthenews.com. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Good night. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group.